Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. We're so excited you've tuned into I Work For Him today as Martha and I just welcome you and invite you to go out to our website, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com. Super Lots of information out there. Excited for you to see it, including information about a brand new podcast that released this month, the I Work For Him Power Pod. You can find that on any of your uh, the, the podcast platforms around the country. Make sure that you check it out. It is all of the golden nuggets. It is all the highlight reel from every one of our shows. Uh, gets released Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Go out to iworkforhim.com and find out more. You know, so often we look to the world for answers to our business questions. Why? Well, business is a worldly occupation, right? Wrong. Business was and still is God's idea. Business is the tool that God uses to impact the world and fund the meeting of the needs of the least of these. So where do you go to learn about the world of God's perspective on business? Well, let's call it unconventional business. I have just the place. On October 24th and 25th in Kansas City, Missouri, hear from all kinds of leaders who are doing it God's way, unconventionally, and seeing his hand of blessing on their work. Well, let's welcome Rick Box from unconventionalbusiness.org. Rick, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, thanks, Jim. It's so great to be with you. Yeah, we're excited. You know, I, I, I'm disappointed this year that we don't get to be with you, but I'm hoping next year we can actually work it out where we're all together and we're capturing the stories live while you guys are doing your your unconventional business conference. So let's talk about it. Tell us first, let people know about the Unconventional Business Network. What's what's going on with Unconventional Business? Yes, well, we're uh, we're just excited what uh, God's enabled us to uh, be a part of over the years as we've watched the Faith at Work movement grow. So we're just about connect, connecting and equipping business leaders to practically integrate their faith and their work, and we've been able to do that uh, for over 18 years now. So we're just excited what God's up to. How fantastic is that? 18 years. Love that. So you have quarterly meetings in Des Moines, St. Louis, and Kansas City. Why do the annual summit this year? You know, we really uh, realize that we have a lot of people that follow us from around the country and actually around the world because of our daily radio program and broadcast that we do. And a lot of them, you know, they're not going to fly into one of these cities just for a lunch event. But if we have an overnight conference that they can come to, they will. And so we decided this was an opportunity for people that have been trying to follow us and haven't been able to deeply engage that they can come and engage Plus, we have people, like you said, in Des Moines, St. Louis, and Kansas City that meet with us frequently, and we really wanted all of them to have the opportunity to come together in one place and see that God is up to something much bigger than what they're seeing in their local community. And so that's one of the purposes behind the summit, but we also think that it's time that we can raise up leaders to help us multiply the ministry in other communities, and so we now have small group offerings for professional women. We have it for small business owners and for general business leaders. And so this is a way that we can also identify and equip some of them to go back and start something in their own local community. Now, the Unconventional Business Network, that's not just for men. It's for men and women, right? Absolutely. 
So you've got gr- and you've got groups that are meeting. Are there are any of them virtual so people could join you from anywhere in the country? Or are they all localized in the three major cities that you're operating in? Uh, you know, right now, Jim, they are localized. Although uh, we are starting to do some simulcast uh, work. Actually, uh, our event in St. Louis that's coming up in two weeks, we're going to simulcast it back to Kansas City to a professional women's group here. Uh, that we're collecting. Oh, that's fantastic. All right, let's talk about the summit. You put on your website that the goal is to answer these three questions for the attendees about their unconventional yeah. calling. Can God use my vocation for a higher purpose? Talk about that. Yeah, we, we know that um, Barna Research did a study last year and came out and informed everybody that they surveyed Christians and 70 Two percent of Christians are not integrating their faith in their work. Many of those people are compartmentalizers that they Sunday and Monday are completely segregated. They oftentimes do not realize that God has a calling and a purpose for them vocationally. And so we really want people to uh, get that to understand what that means and what that might look like for them. Well, and Rick, I, you know, I challenged Barna on those things when, the, when we actually did a show about that, and I think that number, that may be of serious Christ followers, maybe 36% of them get it. But when you look at the average person who calls themselves a Christian out there in the, in the marketplace, in the workplaces of America, do you really think it's 30% of them that understand that connection between their faith and their work? No, I, I think they were uh, very generous <laughs> with those numbers. I've, you know, I've been a pioneer in this faith at workspace for a long time, and uh, I was pretty surprised when I saw how high they, the percentage was that they said were actually integrating. Hey, you're going to talk about the unconventional handbook there at the unconventional business event network. So let's let's make sure I, I call it the right thing. Your event in October on the 24th and the 25th. What are you calling it? It's the Unconventional Business Summit. Summit. The Unconventional Business Summit. People can find out more about it online. Unconventionalbusiness.org. Unconventionalbusiness.org. All right. What's the Unconventional Handbook? You know, we believe that the Bible is the best business book ever written. It's been on. It's been the best-selling book ever, year after year after year. But very few people view it as a business handbook and something that they can use to guide their business. And so we really want at this conference for people to hear that the Bible is relevant and it can be a guide to your business. You know, men and women deal with faith and work issues very, very differently. How are you going to be dealing with those issues from a male perspective and female perspective? How are you going to deal with the differences of how they look at that stuff? Uh, You know, we've got a variety of uh, female and male speakers uh, at the summit, both in the breakout sessions and in the uh, keynote sessions, uh, so that we can hear uh, from some professional women and how they're navigating life. And a lot of them uh, do look at things differently, and that's really why my wife started for us a division for uh, unconventional business women, uh, specifically for that reason, because they're oftentimes a lot more relational than us guys, and uh, they like to go deep and have instant conversations and really address the challenges that they have in trying to navigate life with family and work and all of that and the unique needs that they have. And so uh, 
yeah, so we'll have opportunities for women to come and understand a little better uh, what other women are doing and how they're doing it. So give us a list really quick of some of the speakers you're bringing in. Yeah, we're real excited. We're going to have uh, Horst Schultz kick it off. He was the co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton uh, back when they were winning Malcolm Baldridge Awards constantly. And he has a new book out called Excellence Wins. And so that's really going to give some great practical meat for people uh, that just really want to do business well and do it through uh, God's lens. And, and, and we're, we're going to run out of time. If you don't go through the, go through the list really quick, give some highlights, and then i got one more question for you okay. before we run out of time. Yeah, Megan Alexander is with uh, Inside Edition as a reporter and also does Thursday Night Football and wrote a book called Faith in the Spotlight. And so she's got a great story. We've got Rick Bettenbaugh, uh, who built about 7,000 homes in Lubbock, Texas, and, and founded a ministry called Kingdom at Work. And then we've got Dr. Arnie Cole, the CEO of Back to the Bible. We want him to sh- just share mm-hmm. uh, about how the Bible is relevant uh, to business. We've got Jim Wright, that used to be the former CEO of Tractor Supply, talking about servant leadership. And Tracy Bowens is a, a local lady that owns about 42 scooter coffee house franchises uh, in the Midwest area. And then I'll be uh, wrapping up the day as well as sharing uh, some insights from me. So when somebody closes the door on their experience at the Unconventional Business Summit on October 24th and 25th that they can find out about online at unconventionalbusiness.org, what's the biggest takeaway? What are you hoping their takeaway is? You know, we really hope that they just see how they can actually live and model out and integrate these biblical principles in their workplace in a very practical way. Uh, we don't want to get bogged down in theology and theory, although you know that's certainly addressed. But we want them to understand that God's book of the Bible is very practical and relevant to their business life. Mm. Rick Box, I'm super excited about your event. People, ladies and gentlemen, listen to I work for him today. Unconventionalbusiness.org. You can get great flights right into Kansas City. All the details are out there. Unconventionalbusiness.org. Rick Box, I can't wait to hear the post-game report on your weekend on October 24th or 25th. Thanks for calling in, Rick. Hey, thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. We're so grateful that you've taken time to tune in. Martha and I are excited. We really want you guys to connect with us online as we focus on transforming the workplace of every Christ follower into a mission field just a recognition that your workplace really is your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus, our coworkers, our employees may ever meet that job that you hold, the work that you do, the people that you work with. None of that is by chance. The people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus and you may be their only chance. But we invite you to connect with us online. We do. So listeners, this is your opportunity. Um, Pay attention. You can go to our website, iworkforhim.com. I work the number for him.com. And there you can find all kinds of information. And if you can't find it, by goodness, you can contact me, send me an email on our contact page, and I will get you the answers. But really, the key is, Jim, is for our um, everybody to know that... um, we know radio, you can't catch it every day at the same time when That's you're right. depending on your schedule. So we have podcasted everything that we produce and people can subscribe to that. Listeners, you can subscribe to it. At, go to iTunes, Apple Play, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, whatever your favorites are, we should be out there. Spotify. Spotify. You're very good, I just, Jim. I know you're not <laughs> you're not a Spotify listener, but you know that we're there. I'm not and paying that's what for anything. 
Anyway, okay. you don't have to pay for it, but go there and catch up on anything that you might have missed. Or if you don't get to hear the whole show today, know that you don't have to miss it for good. Go out to our podcast and re-listen to it. That's iWorkForHim.com. iWork4Him.com. Leadership. It's a term that many of you are tired of hearing about, yet each one of us needs to focus on it on a daily basis. All of us lead. Some of us lead our family. Some of us lead a small group at work. Some of you, for some of you, it may be that you lead a small group at church or just a small group of friends that get together to play games on a weekend. But all of us lead if we have influence over at least one person. But how do we lead in a way that copies Jesus's style and mirrors his success? Well, two guys from Bethel Seminary join us today, one from St. Paul, Minnesota, and the other from San Diego, California, to talk about leadership and how they're making sure the next generation understands that leadership is not about them or not about the leader, but about serving others. Mark Strauss and Justin Irving, both of which have doctorates, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Thanks, Martha. Hey, just one thing. I forgot to put the caveat in while we were off the air. No five-syllable words on I work for him. So if you do speak a five-syllable word, we will stop the the show and just have you explain that to the audience. Just that's just my, I always put that out there whenever I have a doctorate on the on the air. It, it, Jim would like to have an know elect- any. You don't know any. Okay, right. very good. All right. So Mark and Justin, you both work in the world of academia at Bethel seminary bethel.edu where fiction is often taught and real life is only something experienced once someone graduates that that's that's not just that's a play on words a lot of times professors in the past were people that never really experienced real life but i know that that whole world is changing in academia Mm -hmm. and that that professors today are being brought in who have experienced real life why should our i work room listeners today stay tuned in as we talk about leadership mark you first well, both Justin and I, we, we both do work in academics, but we've both been uh, deeply involved with the Church and with churches uh, for decades, and so this is something we have experienced firsthand. And I think it's clear that, that uh, there is a leadership crisis in the Church today. We see not just celebrity pastors, but we see lots of um, significant um, major figures um, in leadership around the country f- falling um, for one reason or another. Um, we see all kinds of crises in individual church churches. Um, so many churches um, have divisions, have conflicts, have uh, past, pastor-staff conflicts, have pastor-congregation um, um, individuals con- conflicts. So it's it's just pervasive. But no, but Mark, the the leadership crisis isn't just in within the four walls of the church. It's pretty much countrywide, isn't it? I mean, it, it's yeah, it's in all seven mountains of influence of the country, isn't it? Sure. Look at politics today, and you'll see a major leadership crisis. Yeah, yeah we look at politics, but we never talk about politics, and I work for him because <laughs> I'm not mature enough. <laughs> That's exactly right. So just to yeah, clarify no, just, that, right? Yeah, here, let's just you know. make that clear. But, sure. I, but your focus of this conversation is really about the, the leadership within the church. Well, right? I, I, mean, I really yeah. think that leadership within the body of Christ, because when we say the church, a lot of people think of the, of the people that meet within the four walls of the building, yet really the body of Christ impacts the entire nation when it leaves those four walls on Sunday at afternoon <laughs> and heads out onto the mission field of our country. That's really where I want to focus on our, our, our stuff today. Justin, what about you? Why should people listen to you talk about leadership? 
Well, uh, I think your characterization of uh, universities and higher ed could, can be true, and it has been in the past, sort of the ivory tower kind of understanding. But uh, I think most educators today realize that we need to be connected to real life, and leadership is something that touches our lives on a daily basis. And if we're dealing with leadership, for better or worse, we better get it right, and so we need to be thoughtful and looking for answers to how to lead well, how to lead in a manner that's consistent with our Christian faith, that's going to impact the organizations that we're a part of. Yes, churches, but businesses, nonprofit, government leadership roles. All across the board, uh, we can learn something about good, healthy Christian leadership for all of those organizations. Mm. That's for sure. And I think there's so many people hungry to learn mm-hmm. good leadership principles. And, and you know, we love the fact that the Bible is full of good news and great examples. And, and uh, really crappy examples. Some here, Here's a bunch of guys that <laughs> yeah. screwed up. Don't do this at home. Okay, but we can learn from that. Right, now. exactly. <laughs> sure. Life is full of examples, both good and bad, that we can learn from. So in the context of, um, you know, writing a book about leadership, I guess we should talk about the name of the book, Jim, so Go ahead. people know. It's called Leadership in Christian Perspective um, by our guests today, Justin Irving and Mark Strauss. And um, as we talk about this book, and it is by Baker Academic. You know what? I used to, I'm going to just caveat. I used to sell books and my Baker rep did a great job of, you know, like, okay, they had little heads for the things that were academic. And so then you would know this is something that is going to have a lot of teaching. Big words in it. Well, but these guys said they're not going to do five (laughs) syllable words, Jim. But anyway, so Leadership in Christian Perspective is the name of the book. Biblical Foundations and Contemporary Practices for Servant Leaders. So you've written this book. You must have had some experience that left you struggling and looking for some answers. What, Mark, have you seen demonstrated in leadership among the followers of Jesus that you've taught um, that convinced you to write the book? Well, well, I think in many ways uh, we have adopted the world's model of leadership um, in the Church, and, and that model is essentially uh, a model of my agenda. Um, whatever my agenda is, uh, people are basically resources to accomplish my agenda. So my goal is to influence, to uh, whether it's coercing, whether it's um, forcing in some way, or whether, what, whether it's just encouraging, um, I have an agenda, and I use people to accomplish that agenda. And that, that simply isn't the kind of leadership Jesus talks about. Jesus talks about a leadership that is empowering of others, um, equipping them, enabling mm-hmm. them to exercise their gifts to accomplish God's purpose in their life. So, so leadership is, is so often about my agenda, what I'm trying to accomplish, rather right. than essentially equipping others to accomplish God's purpose. Okay, but Mark, you didn't answer the question. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, you, nobody was often like, well, I'm going to write a book about leadership. No, I've seen leadership done so well, I don't need to write a book. These people already get it. But a lot of times the motivation behind writing a, bar, a book, Mark and Justin, is that, wow, I have seen some really, uh, let's say, poor. Uh, poor examples of leadership. Let's see what the Bible really has to say about this. I mean, Justin, what was your motivation? Did you Have you ever had a leader in your life that, that you're like, I do not want to reproduce that? Well, I think the the things that probably have rubbed me the wrong way the most personally is when leadership tends to try to control things too much. Um, 
a lot of times uh, the, the the basic wisdom about leadership in the past has been I need to control people who inherently don't want to do the right thing in the organization. So I need to control them to do what I want them to do rather than viewing them as a member of that team, collaborating with them, and moving from control to empowerment. Uh, so I personally have experienced some of those kinds of negative forms of leadership, and uh, we want to kind of promote a healthier model, a model focused on empowerment and a model focused on service. You know, right away, I think of the of parenting and the fact that, you know, it's one thing mm. you could try to control your kids every motive or every yeah. motion that they make. But if you empower them to make good decisions, how much that they, they're going to be responsible adults someday. And that's our goal. Well, let's hope. So micromanaging <laughs> parenting does not work and neither does leaders. No, and, and that control thing. And, and, and Justin, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's that the difference between, yes, between becoming the leader worth following or just dictating mm. dictatorial leadership standards where people can't wait to get out from under <laughs> your thumb. We've got Justin Irving and Mark Strauss. Both of them are seminary professors at Bethel Seminary. Check it out online, Bethel.edu. If you want to go to a great place that will le- help you not only understand how to be your a workplace that may be a pastor or a missionary, but to understand because they've got a department that helps connect faith and work and to help pastors understand their role is to be an equipper, not a kingdom builder, not a little K kingdom builder. These guys get it at Bethel. Check them out online, Bethel.edu. Justin, here's my question for you. Let's just jump right in. As we're talking about your book, Leadership in Christian Perspective, that you wrote with Mark Strauss. How many kids do you have? Five kids. Are they all still at home? Well, we've got one launched into the college years and then uh, down to an eight-year-old, so about a 10-year spread. Hey, the one that you launched into the college years, did you launch them into Bethel College so they could be, or Bethel University so they're right nearby? We did, yeah. Abigail (laughs) is a uh, sophomore now here at Bethel, so I get to see her on campus. I'm not really sure that counts as launching, then. You launched her into your workplace so you keep an eye on her all day long. Okay, 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 okay. All right, sorry, that's just funny. Of course she did because she gets a great discount. That's you, that's the one thing you get. Okay, so talk about this. Leadership, you guys wrote about le- a book, Leadership in Christian Perspective, and, and I want to ask a question about that in a second, but leadership starts at home. You know, you got five kids, and what's the ultimate goal of raising kids in your, in your mind, Justin? Well, I actually think Martha... Um said it exactly right a minute ago when she was talking about micromanaging and parenting. The ultimate goal is not for me to be dictating to my children what they're supposed to be doing for the first 18 years of their life and then for them suddenly to figure out how to do it later on. They need to be learning over time to be owning things themselves. We need to be raising up, equipping, and then empowering them to be all that God wants them to be. And so that Mm -hmm. means I get 18 years of pretty hands-on engagement, but I better be releasing and empowering over that 18 (laughs) years so that when they're launched into adulthood, they can thrive. Okay, but when your kids are teenagers, and you've had teenagers, and you've got still some on the way, in eight years, you'll be a lot older, and your eight-year-old will be a 16-year-old. So those those teenage years are challenging because our kids are becoming adults, and they start to think like adults. At first, they don't act like it, but they really are starting to think <laughs> like it. How do you, what is the most effective way to lead a teenager? Because dictation, dictatorialness that worked as a two-year-old, definitely doesn't work with them as a teenager. You have to shift your leadership style, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not just about having behavioral um, 
alignment to my expectations. I want them to start owning some of the decisions, not just by extrinsic motivation, but by intrinsic, meaning I want them to want to do the right thing. I want them to want to own the decisions that they're making. And so uh, telling my two-year-old, don't touch that pretty red stove, needs to look different when I have a conversation with that 16-year-old about dangers in their life as well. Mm. So then help me bridge this now over to the book that you've written about leadership. So Mm. um, how does this apply in the workspace? Right. Well, well leadership um, is, is, don't fight now. Oh, go Mark, go ahead first. <laughs> <laughs> Should I go first? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, go le- for it. Leadership, le- leadership is um, about modeling um, and reproducing the life of Christ in others. I mean, really, we haven't used this term yet, but, um, you know, what's, what's our, uh, our calling as believers is to make disciples, and leadership mm-hmm. is reproducing your life in others, reproducing the life of Christ and others making disciples who will then make disciples. So um, disciples are in the, are following Christ themselves because they've seen and, and learned that model from the example of others. So that that's an equipping, that's an empowering model of leadership, um, the term discipleship. Mm. Well, okay. So we've all worked under leaders that are reproducing their life in others. But it's not a good reproducing. I mean, if you work in an organization <laughs> where the person absolutely micromanages and manipulates all the way down, that's what gets reproduced all the way through an organization. Uh, so as the leadership goes, it flows all the way through, doesn't it? Right, but it's got to be fundamentally other-centered in the sense that ah. my goal is, is not to accomplish my agenda. My goal is to enable this person to exercise their God-given spiritual gifts to the best of their ability, so they can accomplish God's purpose for their life, uh, not my purpose, not my agenda. So, so it, it's really about whether is this about my my goals, my agenda, my purpose, um, or is it about their giftedness and God's calling in their life? Hmm. So, how? Uh, I guess I'm I'm struggling with that because a lot of people will think in the workplace, well, but it is the leadership agenda because they need to get their job done. So how do you how do you work through that? Just so I better understand. Well, uh, maybe are, if I can... are they partners? Go ahead, Justin. Go ahead. Well, you're you're bringing up the point about partners is right where I was running with this. Uh, even in kind of quote unquote secular leadership theories, uh, people are recognizing that to have a uh, a highly top-down hierarchical approach to vision is not always helpful because the most effective organizational members are not going to be those who are renters of a vision or renters of a set of goals. We want owners of that vision, owners of that goal across all levels of the organization. And so thoughtful leaders, even if they have an agenda that they're bringing to their organization and their business, hopefully that agenda is not just something they view as themselves as leaders being owner of, owners of, but it's a, a collective partnership around those agendas that an organization is nurturing. Effective organizations know how to press that down with that kind of transformational leadership ethos uh, that empowers followers to become owners in the process as well. Uh, and Justin, you made such a good point there because there is, you know, 
the secular leadership is starting to understand what servant, what would, hang on a second, uh, what Jesus really demonstrated. He wanted the best out of his people. He wanted his people to flourish. And secular leadership is understanding that the management styles of 60, 70, 80 years ago, 50, 40 years ago does not work. It never worked. But the men, because the mentality of the, uh, of the past generation is like they had to have a job. So they just, they dealt with it, but they never enjoyed it, but they never flourished. So, so companies never got the most out of their people because they, the people were not flourishing. Jesus's leadership style, Justin and Mark was very different. Hmm. It was very different. What what was, what I, what would you describe? How would you describe? I mean, he obviously was different because he was a son of God, but he demonstrated a leadership style. In fact, you know, People would say he was the greatest business guy ever, certainly the greatest visionary ever. You know, he took 11 guys to change the world. Yep. And, and what Mark. was his fundamental message? His fundamental message was the kingdom of God, that God is at work in this world, and you need to get on board. And so it's, it's about joining in God's work in the world. And he's calling others to join him as he accomplishes God's purpose in the world. So... The, the, the idea of partnership, the idea of buying into God's purpose in the world is, is essential. And a leader who has their own empire that they're building is not going to be building the kingdom of God. In, instead, they need to call others to, to get on board with what God is doing to, accomplish, to, to fulfill their calling and gifts in, in that purpose, in that, in that goal. Hey, Mark, I wonder if I could pose a question for you, too, because the, 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 the passage in the Bible that really brought you and I together in thinking about uh, doing this book project was Mark 10. I wonder if you want to say something about uh, kind of Jesus' distinct approach to leadership that he talked about there. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's really shocking in, in that cultural context. Of course, James and John are vying for the chief seats in the kingdom. <laughs> um, they're headed to Jerusalem, and they expect a messianic war, and when Jesus gets on the throne, they want to be on his right and his left. And the other disciples are jealous of James and John for, for requesting that. And so Jesus realizes, uh, you know, all, all uh, 12 disciples are focused on the wrong thing. So he calls them together, and he says, the world's model of leadership is to rule over the, the followers, to exercise authority over them. And then he says those powerful words, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Now, that's a shocking statement, because a servant, a slave, had no rights, um, had, had no position, had no power, had no influence. But what did they do? They empowered others. They enabled others. They equipped others to accomplish their purpose. And that's essentially what Jesus says leadership is. Leadership is empowering, equipping others. Then he says, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What was Jesus' purpose in, in coming to earth? It was to empower us, to bring us alive spiritually, to bring us back into a relationship with God, so that we could fulfill our calling in life, to be God's mm-hmm. children and his servants. And so that's exactly the model Jesus stressed, and exactly the model he taught. But Mark, I might just, I got to stop because I don't want to run out of time in this segment. You you said to me in an email before we did this interview that this book is not about servant leadership, though. But yet you just described that Jesus said, you know, the greatest among you will serve the others. But you said this book is not a book on servant leadership. So how do we take this concept and apply it to our workplaces every day? If it's not servant leadership, what is it? 
Well, may, maybe what we meant when we're talking about that is people, we, we use the term servant leadership and we throw it around. And basically what we mean is I'm going to serve others in order to accomplish my agenda. In other words, I'm going to get them on board my agenda through, through, an act, through acting as though I'm serving them. But it's still my agenda. And so for, for Jesus, what he's talking about is you, your goal is to accomplish, to, to enable others to accomplish God's agenda in their life, to fulfill their calling and gifting. Uh, so, so not servant leadership in, in the traditional way we sometimes think about it, acting as a servant in order to, again, coerce or influence or call others to do and accomplish your purpose, your calling. Justin, you want to add to that at all? No, that's helpful. And I, I would say uh, I'm certainly not opposed to servant leadership, but what we're wanting to do is take something that maybe sounds a little too familiar to people and uh, mm. come at it in a different way. And so we're talking about it in light of empowering leadership and say, what what makes uh, this approach that's grounded in the model of Christ and grounded in contemporary research really right. effective? And we think that it's all about empowering others to be all that God called them to be. Helping people flourish, that's what God wants us to get done in the workplace. God designed our work to bring flourishing in our lives, and by empowering and and helping them to do what they were created to do, it brings life to them. And of course, that all comes through the power of God. Here we're talking with Justin Irving and Mark Strauss about their book, Leadership in Christian Perspective. Find a copy online or call and get one from us today, 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. We're talking about leadership that truly wants the best for other people, not to fulfill my agenda, but for God's agenda in the workplace. That's right. So listeners, this is your opportunity. You can call into our listener line at 866-713-9675. If you don't have that programmed in, it's 866-713-WORK. You can get a copy of the book, Leadership in Christian Perspective. And we are talking with the authors today, Justin Irving and Mark Strauss. Justin, why don't you tell our listeners who should be calling for this book? Like, who is this written to that you would want it to get in their hands? Well, I think it's for anybody who is a Christian or is interested in Christian perspectives, who is uh, either in a leadership role or is working to learn how to be an effective leader. So this is for Christian leaders. It's not just for church leaders. Uh, It's for Christians who are serving as leaders in any sector and providing some real tangible leadership practices that will help them be more effective in their work. Okay, thank you. So listeners, once again, it's 866-713-9675. So let's talk about, Justin, one of those leaders that you guys have interviewed, that you've evaluated, that you've observed, that has made the shift, the Romans 12, 2 paradigm shift that's stopped copying the behavior and customs of this world, but letting God transform them into a new person by changing the way they think about leadership. Give us an example of one organizational leader that did that shift. Well, in the book, we talk about nine practices, so let me just focus on the first one we talk about, which is modeling what matters. So it's a leader who's not just saying and telling people what to do, 
but modeling that for others. We had a really fun example of that here in Minnesota with the Fastnell organization. Uh, Bob Curling was the CEO uh, and chairman of the board for quite a while with with Fastnell, and uh, he had this passion for excellence through customer service, but he also had a passion for being financially um, a good steward of the organization for the benefit both of the employees of the organization, the surrounding community, and the customers. And uh, so he was he was rigorous of holding himself to financial uh, uh, financially responsible behavior. He capped his salary for ten years with the organization, even though the board kept wanting to give him more money. Uh, there was one time where he was going on a trip to Chicago with the CFO, and uh, they stayed in a hotel together. They ate fast food. They drove instead of flew, and just practical kinds of things like that. Where mm-hmm. this is the person who didn't have to live cheaply. But he did for the sake of the mission, and that mattered to the employees. They realized that he didn't just mm. talk this talk, he walked it. Hmm. And, and Mark, so let's get biblical on this. Give us, sure. give us an example of a biblical leader that made this paradigm shift of mind. Yeah, well, it's, it's remarkable to see how in sync Paul is with Jesus' calling to, to make disciples, essentially. You look at Paul, and he's constantly talking about follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. And he's training and sending Timothy and Titus and Luke and Epaphras and Epaphroditus and all these others. He's got this vision for equipping, empowering others to fulfill God's calling in their lives. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 2. The things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others also. In other words, your your goal is to enable, empower, equip others to accomplish God's purpose. And that's that's his fundamental message, and that's his fundamental calling. And then, of course, there's Ephesians um, chapter 4, where he says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, the pastors, the teachers, and here's what he gave them for, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So again, it's right there in Paul, just as it is in Jesus training his disciples. It's equipping and empowering others to accomplish God's purpose in their life through the gifts that he's given them. I love that you're giving such practical things because all of us in our lives, you know, we have a friend who told us that as long as you have influence over one person, you are a leader. And if you take that to that extreme, um, your different chapters, which are the nine um, practices, I think that you guys talk about, you know, they're, they're practical. Like you just said, modeling what matters. If we do that in our life, um, just think of the difference. So I want our listeners to hear this. This is practical. This is applicable. This is um, information that can help them. Like you said, not if they're only already leaders, but if they want to be leaders. So I just think it's important for you listeners to hear that because a lot of times, you know, we hear, oh, leadership, learning to be a better leader. It's not for me. And um, I believe it is because we all have these roles of influence in our life. Here's here's a question for you. This is totally off the wall, and you got 30 seconds to answer. (laughs) Could this kind of leader be elected president of our country? (laughs) I would hope so. I would hope so. I mean, do you think they'd actually make it through the primary? So, I mean, that's. I mean, I think our country's gotten so jaded. I'm not sure this kind of leader could make it to the Oval Office because of. I, I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, there, se- there seems to be a pattern that unless you um, exalt yourself 
um, you can't possibly um, serve others. And so I, I, I don't see in the present political system, it, w- it would be shocking to see someone rise to the top who has this kind of leadership, because people aren't looking for that. People are looking for someone who, who, who defeats others, who wins, um, rather than who empowers others. And, and what's know. be cool, I think, I think it could happen, though. Justin, I think that's what your hint was. I could hear you mumbling in the background. <laughs> and it's off topic, but I believe that this kind of leadership would be so stark in light of today's rhetoric that it could just shatter people's minds but we need to talk about flourishing before we're done here today uh, and, and i'm trying i'm trying to inspire because we need christ followers to run for office all across the country from the from mayors and city council and and local congressmen to to, to u.s congressmen to senators to the presidency we we need christ followers to run for office and to live this model out at all levels but i want to end the conversation with flourishing because you know justin and mark you guys work in in the seminary world, the, the academic world, and you're raising up pastors and you're teaching them today, this is a newer concept, that their role is to be equipping the saints on Sunday for their mission field that they enter the minute they leave so they could cause flourishing not only in themselves, but also to cause flourishing in those around it. What is this flourishing concept all about, Justin? Yeah, you know, I, I think our listeners probably understand that uh, there have been... Um, Christian business-oriented organizations for the past decades, you know, helping Christians in business try to think about their role effectively. But there was a gap between those conversations with Christians out in the business world and how pastors and uh, ministry leaders around churches were thinking about the issues. This kind of sacred-secular divide kind of not, not intentionally, but over time was sort of unintentionally reinforced. And so here at Bethel, and what Mark and I are trying to do in our courses and others as well around here is to try to help those who are going into sort of professional church-based ministry to get it, that what happens out in the marketplace really matters. That's part of what mm-hmm. God's doing in the world as well. And so we want people who are going out to pastor churches to be able to celebrate how Christians are leading in their various work roles throughout society, because that's what kingdom leadership is all about, what God's doing in the world, not just what's happening on Sunday morning in a building. Mm. Mark? <laughs> Yeah, and, and this is why I work for him. This organization is so phenomenal, because that's exactly your vision and goal, is to call people to fulfill their calling before God in their, in their workplace, in, in the calling um, and life that God has given them. And so Christian leaders need to be empowering, equipping, training people to recognize their jobs, recognize their life, recognize their family as their essential calling. Um, in God's kingdom. So I, I just think that's that's exactly your vision as well as ours. You know, and I just think to wrap up the, the conversation regarding you were asking Jim about, you know, could a president um, do this kind of leadership and stuff? I think that any kind of leader that is using what you guys said, serving, they're, being, they're serving in order to accomplish God's agenda. If that's really their priority, mm. then God's agenda is going to win out all the time. And I just, I think that's the thing. So many of us, we get selfish in what I want to accomplish. But whether it's in politics, education, whatever realm it's in, if it's God's agenda flourishing, um, then it's going to happen. Well, and that's why we've started the conversation talking about our kids. Mark and Justin, because we want what's best for our kids. 
We don't want to dictate for them, first of all, because it doesn't work. When they become teenagers, dictatorial absolutely brings out the worst in our children. But when we want the best for our children and they see it transparently through our authentic leadership, they will get it. And just so you know, I don't know, Mark, you probably have older kids like our kids. They come back and they say thank you eventually when you you do that kind of thing. They do. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, I just it, it's important that if we, if we want the people that we work alongside of us to respect the leadership that we give, we need to think of that, uh, of what worked at home. And it has to be, we got to serve and want the best for the people around us. Mark Strauss and Justin Irving, you guys, great conversation. Thanks for bringing it to the forefront. Thanks for writing the book, Leadership in Christian Perspective, which we'll give away a copy today. 866-713-9675. You can check these guys out online, Bethel.edu. Mark Strauss, Justin Irving, thanks for being on iWork for him today. Thanks, thanks so much. We had a great time. Yeah. yeah, I know it could have been a lot longer. I get it. You're listening to I Work for Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for Him. Thank you for listening to the I Work for Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit IWorkForHim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work for Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at I Work for Him to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at I Work for Him and online, IWorkForHim.com. I Work the number four, him.com.